welcome to the inaugural episode of Deadhead Space Spotlights, a mini episode of our regular show. Only here, authors give a brief uh, reading, followed by a conversation. This show is a part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan Faro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we are having the the only guest that we wanted to start out with, uh, the author of many books such as Children of Chicago and Into the Forest and all the way through. Audio listeners, I'm holding up the amazing poetry collection. Uh, Miss Sina Palayo. Say hi, Sina. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So whenever you're ready, uh, tell us what you're going to read and go for it. I am going to read The Light Blinds. It appeared in the Far From Home um, anthology by Off Limit. Oh, you have it? Yeah, right there. All right. It appeared in the Far From Home um, by Off Limits book. So um, if you're ready, I can... Go ahead and begin. All right, so. The light blinds. I see the lights at night when I close my eyes. At one time, I longed to see them so much, but now that's all I can see. Some people call them a hoax, but it's too much trouble, too much physical work to be manipulated by man. I recognize the cruelty of this awe. The vast efforts of humans over centuries across all forms of society who have sought to seek their positions, make their case, lay their claim in what is real and what is not. There have been dismissals and assassinations of an individual's character, all in an attempt to misinform and discredit what a cursed few have come to cruelly know. What they know is a truth beyond all of our own mental capacity. And this is the truth, regardless of what anyone hopes, thinks, or feels. Reality can only be shielded for so long, and there is really and truly no way to fake what these tortured few have been forced to know. Across history, first came the images, and then came the audio recordings, and then came the videos of these disturbed accounts. Some were called desperate, others were called fools, but all of them were believed insane for the things that they saw and for the things of which they spoke. My husband Ryan and I dug through decades of records, interviews, and accounts. We lived in Chicago, and so we had access to libraries, research universities, and experts, some of whom were willing to speak to us about what they believed was happening. Many ignored our emails and calls, but there were a few who agreed to speak with us off record. Sworn to never be mentioned in any of our amateur research, but we were not really amateurs, were we? And more than one expert told us in silence that this was all true, but that no one would ever believe us. There were visits to therapists as well for Ryan. 
He had seen multiple over the years. Some just listened, others spoke too much and too fast, dismissing and disregarding, and many tried to hand him a referral elsewhere as soon as he entered the door. No one wanted to be bothered with helping him through this. One elderly therapist did take him on, and they spent years together working through whatever semblance of healing Ryan could come to. On one of their last visits before his therapist died, he told Ryan, if you believe this happened to you, then there is no one who can disprove it. Maybe all of the hurt you are feeling is your resistance to it. Just give in to what you believe. And so Ryan did. No one takes this up as a career. There is no way to sustain oneself by depending on a life where you need a full tank of gas, a fast car and high tech lighting, visual and audio equipment that can be aimed from your vehicle's roof or windows to spot an anomaly in the darkness. No, like many people with unhealthy obsessions, this consumed our nights, weekends, holidays and vacations. There was no rest. There was only a full tank of gas, a trunk full of camping gear, and hitting the road, driving down Interstate 55 or 70, going south, always going south. Yes, there were other states or towns we can investigate. There were other countries experiencing the same phenomenon, but we were convinced, he was convinced, that since it all started here in southern Illinois, it would end here for him as well. The moment we would leave the city limits, Ryan's leg would start shaking. You're going to be all right, I would say. And he would nod and like that, we would drive in silence, no radio, no conversation. It was our moment to detox from city noises, blaring sirens, neighbors fighting and loud music roaring from the street. The humming of the car speeding down the highway was our welcome form of meditation. And maybe in a way, it was also a way to prepare our ears in anticipation for any whirring or warbling sounds we may hear out there in the open fields. What I remember most about these drives is Ryan tracing circles on the window of the passenger side door, small or large, standalone or connected, spiral or fanning out from the center. I knew then and now his mind had always been full of those blooming, blossoming, complex and haunting patterns. And so we went on that way for years, decades really, lost together, together in silence, his obsession through distance between us and our family, and I didn't discourage it. His side of the family saw me as encouraging what they called madness. My side of the family remained silent but concerned. Regardless, there was no time for family, only this tortured adventure. Our lives outside and inside became consumed with unraveling something that Ryan did not just believe in, but something he knew was real. This was so real that his money went towards, towards first the equipment and then to whatever semblance of living he could manage. There was the IR light and an infrared night vision illuminator, which offered a laser grid that can detect speed and dimensions of an object and even a 3D model. There was a K2 deluxe EMF meter that alerts to changes in EM frequencies with both traditional LED lights, graphs, and sounds that detect electromagnetic fields. There were EVP wrist recorders and smartwatches and a collection of binoculars and telescopes, high-performance scenic 7x50 binoculars for sky watching, a pair of shore-view 8x42 binoculars, a starter tabletop telescope for quick stargazing, 
a Starblast 4.5 telescope, the Orion Space Pro 130ST for easy tracking of celestial movements and more. I knew we were getting close when I was awakened one night in our bedroom by a chirping sound. At first, I brushed it off as a cricket that might have made our gutter its home, but I shot up in bed when I realized it was the middle of snowy December in the city. And there were no crickets or any other nightly insects who were around that could make such a noise. I reached for my phone, turned on its flashlight, and there was Ryan. Kneeling at my bedside, covered in sweat, his eyes were rolled back in his head, his eyelids trembling, spent from holding that forced position. His arms were slack at his sides, his mouth hung wide open, and from his throat emerged that chirping noise. It grew louder, his body swaying slowly left and right as the sound only intensified, a car alarm whirring and warning. Ryan, I called, reached out, and when I touched his shoulder, he collapsed on the floor asleep. His chest rising and falling steadily, a soft snore escaping, a shadow stretched across the window, and I aimed my light, but it was gone. It was probably just the headlights of a passing car, I lied to myself. Maybe he always knew this is what he needed to confront. And maybe he always knew that in confronting that thing, that otherworldly thing, that he could finally find peace because after the memories flooded it in, nearly all of him flooded out. But this was his destiny, I suppose, toiling away hours at a job and technology that he hated, but that supported our weekly rides down to rural communities and farmlands, our second home. We had grown to know the people there, and many became like family in a way that would point us in the direction of the new sightings of unexplained noises and recount strange dancing lights in the night sky. Eventually, our simple sedan was traded out for a large van that we outfitted with a bed and basic living comforts, and this is where we would live on those trips. On warm nights, we would sleep with the van door open, the expanse of prairie country before us. We would sit out on some of those nights with telescopes and binoculars fanned before us, a hot mug of coffee in each of our hands, our eyes trained above, lost in the infinite darkness and those precious shimmering points in the sky. And it was a night, very much like tonight, that it finally came. And it did so traveling on a Midwestern summer breeze. The corn stalks swayed and an object that was more than just an object, an object that was of another reality that I can never comprehend, appeared just a few hundred yards away. Its light radiated, consumed and attracted. This object, it was the black sky. It was the bright sun. It was all of the infinite possibilities that Ryan had spoken of. And without a word, without turning back, Ryan dropped his coffee mug and ran towards it. The only sound in the night were his footsteps and my cries, Ryan! I clung to the open van door, unsure of whether or not my feet could move. I stared up at that object, immense and translucent, but solid all the same. It was all of the inexplicable words I have ever come to know it by and more. 
Ryan continued to run, shedding his backpack like the weight of all of those years, even taking his White Sox baseball cap off that he loved so much and flinging it into the darkness. I knew then that he had no intention of ever returning to me. I screamed for him to come back. I screamed for him to not leave me. I screamed for him to please just to love me, that I would be a better wife, a better lover, a better friend, but he never looked back. He was infatuated with that light more than he ever was with me. When the light disappeared, taking Ryan with it, I slowly made my way out to the point in the field where he ceased to exist. There was no heat and there was no cold and there was no sound. All that remained were flattened corn stalks all around me that I knew if seen from above formed a large crop circle. And so I sit here now in my van, the same van we would beat down the highway, a blanket covering my legs because this is all I have. For months, the police came knocking on my door. There were polygraph tests and interviews, news cameras, and people laughing at me. Eventually, there was no door for them to knock on anymore because there was no job and there was no family and there was no support of me left. This is where I eat. This is where I sleep and this is where I live because they all believe that the most logical explanation to his disappearance is that I killed him that I butchered and buried him out there in the rolls of corn in rural Illinois somewhere. Of course, there were searches and dogs, rescue teams and digs. And when I pointed to the circular shapes in the fields of corn, the authorities merely laughed. They said it was all a hoax and continued on their searching. But I know what I saw. I know the price that I paid and continue to pay and allowing Ryan's obsession to consume me in searching for the truth I was handed the total collapse of my life, the total destruction of my identity and my character. So I am now the woman that lives in her van, parked beneath a great maple tree that shields my car window from the nighttime sky above, because I do fear the possibility of the darkness above, of what lurks up there watching us, watching me, because we are not alone. We have never been alone. Even now, as I sit in my van, I am as exposed as I have ever been because they know how to find me. They know how to find you. They have always known. Thank you. Holy shit. <laughs> that was wonderful, Cena. The oh rhythm to it. Oh, my. That's so good. I <laughs> I, I almost wish I had not gotten a chance to dive into that book yet, um, but I, I almost wish I had an experience of, you know, reading it in my head versus hearing it from you because the the uh, personality put into it, the depth put into it in that reading, like, oh, goosebumps. Love it. Wonderful job. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I hope it came through well because I forgot to hook up my microphone, but you'll get the regular computer audio. With oh, it. you're you're fine. Holy shit, that was uh, man. You got a lot of familiar stuff in there, elements, but the, the more I hear you read and the more stuff, well, the more things I hear by you. I can't think right now. Words. <laughs> I just really liked it, Cena. That was amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I don't write sci-fi. I never write sci-fi. Um, and I 
wrote that story because I saw an image of like an elderly man running through cornfields, looking up, like I caught the image and that's sometimes how my stories come to me. I'll just get like a little image. Um, and I saw him as an older man and I saw her as an older woman and them just spending their life like being UFO chasers. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I absolutely love how you're building up this like mythos in Chicago. It's, it's amazing. It's, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I mean this. People have asked me if, if everything I write will be based here, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Some places, um, I don't know. I think I think when I think about it, everything I've ever written is is based here. Um, yeah, even if I never explicitly say it, I see the houses and I see the old Victorian um, mansions on the boulevards, and so um, that's what I see. Or like Illinois, so my Midwestern. This, so. There's plenty to tap in for the rest of your life and longer, so that's that's definitely good news. Uh, Brennan, just so we stay within a half an hour, because we could talk to her for at least two hours, hands down. Uh, not a challenge here, but what's the next move, man? What do we jump into? So, I mean, I, I would add real quick, you say you don't write sci-fi, but that had such a poetic bent to it that it doesn't even feel remotely outside your wheelhouse. Um, so you know what your, your most recent release, even though, um, far from home came out, uh, in May, I believe May 15th, um, your most recent solo release is children of Chicago. Let's talk a little bit about that. Can you give us, uh, the synopsis of children of Chicago? Sure. Um, children of Chicago is book one in a series of two books. Um, and it, follows Detective Lauren Medina as she investigates a series of teenage killings that are reminiscent of the murder of her, or the killing, or the death of her sister. Um, it's told as a fairy tale. So the influence, it's very influenced from by Grimm's fairy tales. Um, the way those are written, very flat <laughs> characters. Uh, there's I tried to tell the story using a lot of different genres, um, mostly because I wanted to talk about the history of Chicago. So there's a lot of history there, a lot of history about fairy tales and folklore um, and the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Um, so yeah, that's that's Children of Chicago. Book two in the series is not a sequel. It's another, it's a standalone. So uh, we're calling it the Chicago Saga. So book two will be um, again in Chicago, but a different monster, different characters completely, um, and a different uh, focus on a different part of the city's history. So no Lauren Medina in book two, is that correct? Um, or at least not as a central character. No, she's not going to be even seen. I think I think we'll kind of mention, <laughs> there, there, I think there's probably like one sentence mention of like the... the the investigation board is dealing with Lauren, but I mean, that, that's pretty much it. So it's completely, um, it's a completely different, uh, cast of characters. I mean, you'll see, I mean, Commander McCarthy again, um, who he's based off of somebody I know. So you might see like, um, him and Gutierrez. I think Gutierrez makes a bigger, uh, he gets promoted from beat cop to detective. So you'll see Gutierrez, <laughs> but not, not Lauren. So. Well, you, so you mentioned ever... it. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to jump in real quick. 
on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it as kind of a duology. Is if, if it's almost more an anthology series, is there any reason it caps it at two? Are you sure it caps at two? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, well, I am the book after that isn't, well, I guess it could be, but we'll see. We'll see what the, my publisher says. Um, but the book after that that I'm working on, um, it takes place in Chicago and uh, the Midwest as well. So we'll see. But the book, book two um, is uh, way more intensive research than book one was. So that's, uh, I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but um, I'm looking forward to it. And I also have a novella that I just finished that might be making um there might be an announcement soon, and that takes place in Chicago as well. So, Sweet. I had a question. Um, I hope you guys get the reference. Are you ever going to write about a particular supernatural boogeyman from Caprini, Caprini Green? Um, no, mostly because when he wrote him, the, the original story was in, in London. And when they did the film, they did it here in Caprini Green. Caprini Green doesn't really exist anymore. Um, yeah, so it was demolished in 2011. Yeah, I used to um, tutor kids there uh, a long time ago. Long, long time ago. Kidding. Yeah. Um, but no, um, mostly. Well, yeah, I think I think I think um, Candyman's very central to that particular area in the city, whereas the Pied Piper, I wanted him to be more all-encompassing, just spanning the entire city and being more of um i think of him as freddy krueger almost like he can invade anybody's weaknesses yeah yeah that's fair to say um brennan and i were talking before we uh started recording about something in brennan why don't you no i'll just ask it because if i ask you to ask it i'll say it um curious if this is kind of considered your magnum opus like you're your foundation for really, I guess, uh, this the nucleus for everything. Yes, um, I mean, I grew up every all the stories I I mean, I grew up in oh, oh wow, sorry, I grew up in I grew up in a city in the inner you know in an inner city, and everything that I saw displayed in media was of New York or Los Angeles. And Chicago's a very different town. I mean, um, so I never really saw my city displayed. Um, and maybe that's why I really wanted to create work that was based here and based off of our history, because we have such a fascinating history in, um, in the city from its founding to even present and how it's an ever shifting, changing city. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Like when I look back in 10 years, I mean, Santa Muerte um, and the missing take place here and bits of it are in Mexico, too. So a lot of my writing has taken place. I guess all of it, I guess it has taken place here. Very cool. Brennan, um, want to talk about Scares of Care super quick and Merrimack just to cover that because that'll be coming up before this comes out next week. So uh, 
we'll have a couple of weeks until scares the care and months before Merrimack Book Valley. Uh, yeah, Merrimack absolutely. Valley. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, Cena, you're going to be going to scares the care. Scares the care. I'm going. I'm going just to do a reading. I wasn't expect. I wasn't. I'm not in the headspace to sign and um, sell books. Mostly because I'm still kind of like antsy from pandemic, and I should be like devoting as much time to writing Logan. Uh, I said the title. Oh, I almost said the title of book two. Um, <laughs> I should be devoting as much time as possible to write the sequel to uh, Children of Chicago. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a reading at Scares That Care. I'll kind of say hi to friends, but um, I'll. I'm just kind of like in and out for for that event. Very cool. Um, and also Merrimack, um, it was Merrimack Valley Book Festival, right? Is that the... 70 authors that are going to be there. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to be able to sit still and <laughs> sell books and sign, because I want to want to like talk to everybody and get my stuff signed. So I will be at Merrimack. It's like a one-day event, October 9th. Um, I will be there. I will be... Hopefully selling copies of Snow White's Shattered Coffin, Children of Chicago, Santa Muerte in the Missing, and maybe Loteria, my old short story collection. So we'll see. I don't know. I have to figure out how to carry all this. How do I carry all this stuff? So. I don't know. I got to get a side copy. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for that. Uh, so besides that, Brian, a few quick things you want to plug away, sir? Uh, first of all, I just want to throw out, you know, I, I, I know you didn't end up taking any of them home, but... I congratulations on even being nominated uh, for your two stokers for uh, Into the Forest and all the way through for Best Poetry Collection, but uh, also for, oh gosh, I have it here, I need to believe uh, for Best Short Nonfiction. Uh, just to be nominated in two categories is absolutely huge and, you know, congratulations and well, well, well deserved. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was um, a shock. Uh, I was, uh, it's my first year ever being nominated, so it's my first year to be nominated, to be nominated for two. It was um, amazing, and I'm thankful to HWA. It's a, um, the board is fantastic, all the members are fantastic, and I'm just really still kind of like, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe it. It's so, I'm still kind of processing it that I was even nominated, and it's, um, it's amazing, amazing. Thanks. And then, um, as far and echo, by the way, for sure, what Brian just said, uh, we definitely want to make sure that people know where to follow you, uh, including your blog, too, please. Sure. Twitter, um, Sina Palayo, C-I-N-A-P-E-L-A-Y-O. That's where you'll find me on Twitter. I have a Instagram, Sina Palayo Author, um, and my website, SinaPalayo.com. It's where you can find my most updated and then uh, just one more thing. It is uh, newish uh, achievement from you. You were mentioned the New York Times for Children of Chicago, and you also had New York, uh, uh, the Chicago Tribune print a piece on Children of Chicago. So, anything you want to say about either of those? Those are incredible achievements. Um, being mentioned in the New York Times when my publisher asked me, they were like, "What is?" what's your dream? And I was like, my dream would be New York times. Um, I was like, it's never going to happen, but the dream New York times and it happened. And it was like, 
I think I, I'm pretty sure I screamed really loud. Um, and then I did it. I knew, like, I had seen the Chicago Tribune online. And then when Becky Spratford uh, alerted me that I was, like, on the front page of the arts and entertainment section, that was huge. And, um, I mean, honestly, my writing career, I've kept it really quiet from my day job for over a decade and I know it got around because I was getting emails at work like wait you're a horror writer uh so ta-da I'm a horror writer at work so um that was that's how I know it it it, it was uh gotten around but it was exciting and it's inc absolutely incredible and it's so hard to process very hard to process that I'm out there so, I'm sure that's amazing. Uh, you know what, Brandon, let's just do it. Let's do final thoughts just in case we missed anything. I would hate for anyone not to say what they wanted to get out. So, Cena, any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, thank you, everybody, for um, both of you for having me on. If you have not picked up Far From Home, um, pick it up. Great anthology. Children um, of Chicago is available now. If you like, Everything under the sun, crime, mystery, police procedurals, uh, bad people, villains, history. I mean, a lot of a lot of my writing is starting to really skew um, creative nonfiction. So if you like creative, then I'm probably a place to go. I should have an announcement soon for a novella. Hopefully, other things that I can't announce. But yeah. yeah. Very, very good. That's a lot, Brennan. What about you, sir? Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. I uh, this is the third time we've had Cena on the show in some capacity. We will eventually have to have her on for a full, like one and a half hour episode, so that uh, you know she doesn't have to just sh talk about her stuff in a very rushed capacity. But we are always, 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 always happy to have her. Uh, love you to death, Cena, and you know, uh, anytime you want to come on, we will make the space. Absolutely. And uh, my final thoughts are I was uh, really excited when um, I got a copy of Into the Forest and all the way through audio listeners. I just held that up. It is a poetry collection of uh, and forgive me if I'm messing up the number of 100 plus cases uh, all dealing with missing women. Um, cold cases. Some are found and not how they would like to, not in the shape you would ever like to find a loved one the really and th these are all based on real cases throughout the u.s the really awesome thing that i picked up on um especially how often you say you're puerto rican woman is you mentioned puerto rico in here it's a u.s uh a territory but it's not talked about nearly enough it's not treated like a like a state of this country um, so the fact that you had that in there, even though it was for a really awful reason, which goes along with the content, um, I thought that was nice. And I think that there should be more mention of, you know, Puerto Rico, uh, from other authors. And then also, as we say, all your listeners are holding up children of Chicago, um, hell of a story, uh, reiteration for those that haven't heard me say this. She, to me is the only author I've ever read thus far. That is like Thomas Harris, um, different voices but if she doesn't blow up eventually i'd be shocked uh i am honored and thrilled to have you on 
And, you know, like Brent said, anytime you want to come on later, next year, this year, whatever, we'd love to have that happen. And uh, if you're hearing this, this is one of three days that we are having something on our website or our Twitter page on Cena. Uh, we also have an article I wrote a couple months ago, and that is pretty much me fanboying over someone who I don't even care if she's my best friend. I'm going to fanboy over her. She's awesome. And a review by me, and I'm pretty sure Brennan. Um, Children of Chicago had a lot of polarizing thoughts from people, but, you know, good books do that. So I'm going to stop gushing. <laughs> I'm going to stop gushing now. <laughs> if I made you mad, then I succeeded with that book. So. For real. You're never going to remember a book that you're like, eh. I don't really feel anything, you know, about that. Uh, we'd also love if it was ever possible to have you and your husband on because just you guys is dynamic and in uh, when you had published books, uh, be very interested to get your thoughts on that and his as well. Um, listeners, next episode is with S.A. Hunt. She is a uh, she's got a few books with Tor, and um, you know I don't really want to spoil a whole lot. So Google S.A. Hunt, check her out on Twitter. You know. Maybe Facebook. I don't know if she's cool with that. So check her on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, for now, thank you for listening. Check out those books by Cena. Listeners, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. Deadhead space.